Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. How's it going, everybody? Brian Elvers and Dave Meltzer here. Wrestling Observer Radio, December 15, 2020. Figure 4, online.com slash wrestlingobserver.com. A lot of news to get into today. How things going, Dave? Oh man, it's it's going. Um, it's it's just going. I don't know. I've been uh, going back and forth. Um, my, my mom had a good day. Um, just watching movies, listening to music, stuff like that. So um, it's good. Everything's cool. Um, just I haven't been into the wrestling that much, but I did watch Raw. Which was oh. probably which was probably a mistake. Because oh, there's, there's Dave. so much there's so much good stuff I could have watched instead. Um, that I'm, I'm calling on. it. I'm calling it right now. All time record low. It has to. Hour three might do pretty bad because when I was watching the show, I was thinking this hour three. I mean, it's just got nothing here, um, and they're building up to. Um, I mean, what the whole thing was building up to, like this uh, Randy Orton Bray Wyatt confrontation in hide and go seek, and um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess they would. The, it was the end. Of, end, end of thing was uh, Drew McIntyre and AJ Styles. The final kinda... thing was because they had a contract signing again on SmackDown. I guess they figured they couldn't have it here, so instead they, could. they had. They do. They do so many contract signings. Sti- re- they do so many contract signings, it's ridiculous. I know. I guess this time they felt that it would be better to do an ascension ceremony, which was essentially a contract signing. They just didn't actually write on they a piece of paper. They didn't, they didn't have contracts. They, they should, got there and they hyped ceremony, up the match they, and talked. They should, have, and, they should have brought those tag team guys back. That'd be as entertaining as anything on this show. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. First off, good news about Jim Valley. He is back on the road to recovery. And I got some text messages from him today. Other people have been DMing him back and forth. He wanted to say that he loves everybody here. He really appreciates everybody. He can't thank everybody enough. And he had the setback. And I guess they know better how to deal with it now. And so he's back recovering again. So that's very, very good news. Yeah, Much he, better he, report than last Wednesday. He said he's able to sit in a chair. I think he's able to stand up. But not yet walk, um, or or at least close to standing up. But um, he feels that he's recovering faster than he should at this point. So I guess that's pretty good news. And he seemed to be in pretty decent spirits, maybe even good spirits. Um, it's been tough. I mean, he's still got a lot wrong with him. But um, but yeah, he said that they they know what's wrong and they know how to fix it. So that sounded. It sounded positive. I didn't. I don't. I don't know when he's expected out of the hospital or anything like that. It might be, you know, between rehab. It, it sounds like rehab and everything. It's going to be a while. We have not yet talked about the death of Zeus here on this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it looks like he died from from COVID. I mean, he was suffering from COVID, and then they found him dead um, a couple of days back, and um, that's certainly not a good thing he was 62 years old which is not that old um at all and um i mean he he only had a handful of pro wrestling matches i think he um had a couple in wwe maybe three i think in wwe um he had SummerSlam, survivor series and that no holds barred pay-per-view right right and he did one one um uh, thing on Saturday night's main event where they put him in those those uh, big boots to make him look like he was taller than Hulk Hogan, and they said he was six foot ten. He was about six four. Maybe he actually six. did two Saturday night's main events because the first one he did. I just watched both of them, believe it or not. The first one was before the Hogan Boss Man cage match, and he just like showed up out of nowhere and gave Hogan some of the Mongolian chops, and that was like right. His only that, that's the one. That's the one that I remember where they were where they were saying he was six foot ten, and he. Um, had those big boots on, yeah. 
And then the second one was the next Saturday night's main event, which was the go home for SummerSlam, where they did the angle with Beefcake and Savage and Hogan and Zeus. And I mean, the fans were super into it. I mean, he did nothing. He just like stood there and roared and hugged people. But I mean, the fans were into it. So what can yeah, do? Uh, I think they did pretty well for those shows because they, you know, in those days you could just kind of do a monster and have him not sell and have him not do anything. And, and that was the kind of opponents that Hogan actually did his best with. So, um, I don't know if the no holds barred the movie and the match. I don't know if that did all that well, but, um, I don't think it did, but the, um, the SummerSlam did. I remember that. I remember that, that was a pretty, that was a pretty successful show. And then the survivor series, I think they just got him out of there as quick as they could. Um, and then he worked, in that horrible match in WCW, one of the worst matches of all time, um, the two on eight triple decker cage match where he was Z Gangsta with a bunch of other guys. You had like Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and Randy Savage and a bunch of other guys in like the worst match of all time it was Hogan and Savage in a triple decker cage with eight heels with Hogan and Savage winning, and they wanted it to be nine heels with Brian Pillman as the ninth heel. And I, boy, do I remember this, Brian Pillman on the phone with me almost every night trying to plot a way out of this thing because he knew Hogan wanted he, he was starting to get over and he knew Hogan wanted to leg drop him it's just like guy you know he, he you know as soon as he started like getting a buzz it's like Hogan wanted to leg drop him all of a sudden he called him and they wanted him in this match so Brian had um he had pops in his neck that every couple of years he needed to get surgery to get removed but it was it was, you know, uh, I guess I could say it was, everyone's, you know, he's dead now. It was elective surgery in the sense that, you know, he could do it at any time. Um, and when he found out, when, when he got the word that Hogan wanted him in this match to beat him and, and to leg drop him, he was just like, he went and had the surgery without like telling anyone. And then once he had the surgery, he was under like, you know, whatever, you know, like he couldn't, he couldn't do a match that quick. So, um, Boy, were they pissed at him. Um, They're trying to get him to do the match, and it's like, doctor's note, I can't do it. But um, I don't even know if they know. Like, I think he probably portrayed it to them like it was necessary at that point in time. But um, because he, it was, but, but, I mean, it was not necessary. That was, that was Brian Pillman trying to figure out his way because we were talking about that, and it's like, this is going to be the worst match of all time. It was actually worse than we thought. But we knew this is going to be like the worst match of all time because it had like Zeus in it and it had Jeep Swenson in it. And the idea of two guys against nine guys and, and knowing the two guys were going to win, it's like kills everyone. I, how Ric Flair ever survived this, I haven't, I guess because it's Ric Flair, but you know. And then it was so such an ego trip because you not only had like Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and Zeus. You know who Hogan, I guess, just thought, oh, this guy's business because he did business with him like years and years earlier. And then Jeep Swenson, who was like this monstrous guy. I think he was in one of the um, he was in one of the Spider-Man movies, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I don't know if he was 400 pounds, but he he had these giant arms. I remember that. And he couldn't wrestle a lick. And um, so he was in there, and they had Ming and the Barbarian were supposed to be like these two toughest guys who weren't even like over or anything at all. But in, like they really like in real life, they were tough guys. So Hogan wanted them in the match. It was the what up? It was in Batman and Robin, Batman and Robin. No Holds Barred. Actually, Jeep Swenson. Yeah, yeah. I I just remember him with uh, Bruiser Brody in uh, Dallas, and Bruiser Brody actually got matches out of him somehow. Um, against Jeep, but nobody else could. And then, um, yeah, that would have been his last match. And then he had, he had, um, he, he wrestled died a poor... year later. Jeep Swenson did, yeah. not not Zeus. No, 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 Jeep Swenson. Yeah, yeah, Jeep, Jeep Swenson died. He had all kinds of problems from steroids. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it was like about a year later. The guy was enormous. And then, um, yeah, everything was going wrong with him. I remember that. And then um, I think Kevin Sullivan was in the match, too. Um, but uh, And then uh, Zeus also wrestled in um, Puerto Rico a little bit, like a couple of matches. I remember they had, like, one of the stadium shows, they had Zeus against Abdul the Butcher, which must have been, uh, must have been terrible. But um, 
you know, Zeus was best known as as Debo, you know, from a couple of the Friday movies. Um and you know, he'd done a lot of acting and everything for years and years and years. In fact, he was he was doing I think it's a movie, but he was doing something and he got COVID, so they so he couldn't he he couldn't he had they had to stop his his role, you know, they couldn't film him for you know, it was I guess it was gonna be like two weeks. And then on um whatever night it was uh, maybe Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, because I wrote the uh, obit on Thursday. So Wednesday night, they were calling him, uh, I guess, to see how he was doing. He didn't answer the phone. He didn't answer the phone. And then Thursday, he didn't answer the phone. Finally, they called the police to go, and the police found him dead. But, um, yeah, um, Tiny Lister. Uh, you know, I, I, he had a great look. I say that. Um you know, I, and he was best known for being, you know, Hogan's adversary in the uh, No Holds Barred movie, which was a horrible movie. But um, he was pretty memorable. You know, I mean, it was that, you know, it was that year when lots of people watch wrestling. So a lot of people remember him, um, you know, and he was, you know, he was put over huge and uh, Hogan like dropped him. Was it twice? At, um, I think, yeah, I think he like dropped him in the. Um, and then a holds barred match, and he, like dropped him in the um, the first match, the SummerSlam match. They didn't. I had figured they would beat Savage, you know, but um, they just didn't have faith in in Zeus going forward. So they figured they would just beat him right away. And they didn't. They never went with the Hogan Zeus singles match, which you know, in theory, would have been the big money match. But um, they didn't trust it, and that's why you had Randy Savage in the match because. Randy Savage, you know, could do almost all the wrestling in the, in, on that tag team. All right, this coming Wednesday, we've got AEW and NXT. And surprisingly, this weekend, they actually had four matches announced for NXT, which I can't even remember the last time four, they had four I only matches. Know, I, only, I only know a couple. I know um, Kyle O'Reilly and... we got O'Reilly versus Dunn, Gargano and Theory versus Kushida and Ruff, Rhea Ripley, right. Tony Storm, and Karrion Cross returns to action. Right, yeah, they did say carrying cross returning. Yeah, um, interest. I mean, Pete Dunne and Kyle O'Reilly should the winner. That match goes should against, be awesome. Right, the match should be awesome. The winner faces Finn Balor for the title on January sixth. Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley should be really good, um, and um, the tag match should probably be all right. But um, yeah, they should do better. This is this is actually like. Um, I think that for AEW, this is a this is the rating this week is is really um, significant because the last two weeks they were loaded up shows that were going to do well above average. Um, you know, the first one with the uh, Omega Moxley match, and then the second one with Sting's first interview after his debut the week before, and Shaq also. So those were going to do real well. This one. Um, I mean, Omega's wrestling Joey Janela. Uh, so they announced Sting today. So Sting is on the show. So you have, um, you know, that. I mean, it's like it will be interesting to see how. I mean, Sting's first interview was going to do good no matter what. Um, if his second interview does as good as his first interview, that's a really good sign. It probably won't be the case because historically that's not what happens. But. Um, if they, you know, I mean, if they do point four or better, uh, that would be, I would say, phenomenal because it tells you that that's kind of their level. If they do point three five or better, it's good. Under point three five is, I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's still okay. I mean, if it's under point three or point three one, I would say would be a big disappointment after the last two weeks, but. We'll see where they're. I mean, this is a this is a sign of where they're actually at for a normal show, and what we should be expecting going forward. So hopefully the um, they've got a lot of buzz in the last two weeks. So we'll find out how much is uh, is staying power and how much is just you know the hot shot thing. So um, and so that aspect is is good. Um, well, the rest of the stuff? card, we've got the Omega got Janela four- match, no DQ. We got, got Cody a- Rhodes and Helico. But that's an interesting match because Angelico, Angelico's a real good mat wrestler. I'm I'm kind of curious to see how how that one fares out. I mean, they're completely different styles. So, uh, but they should be all right. Um, they got that what a seven on seven tag match, which you know that'll be all action. 
You know, I mean, for sure. We got uh, Hangman, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver versus Matt Hardy and Private Party. Well, we that's, got- that's a storyline match where uh, Silver and Reynolds are trying to recruit Adam Page and Matt Hardy's trying to turn on Private Party. You know that Matt Hardy and Chad Gable are doing the exact same gimmick? Kind of, I guess. Well, I mean, Chad Gable's not saying that he invented everything, but... Um, He's um, also a loser, and his, his partner's a loser. Yes. I I watched that SmackDown show, by the way. Atrocious. Uh, the finishes, the, the finish of the main event and the finish of the Sami Zayn match were atrocious. The um, I I just... Um, I, I don't know. I, I found um I found tonight's show worse than that one. I thought that show was Tonight's show call. actually was worse because it felt like it was about fifteen hours long and there was just nothing of any value on the show. Well, not only that, but like on tonight's show, it's like I gotta find out what the hell's going on with Lana now because it's like they do all this, they put her over and then they take her out of the match. I mean what what's that all? I mean they've been they spent weeks building this match to what, have Asuka team with Mandy Rose or something? I don't even... It was just weird. Well, anyway, we'll get back to that. Serena Deeb and Big Swole versus Eva Lee and Diamante. SCU versus Acclaimed. And- SCU Acclaimed is a big one because we'll see how... Um, it's the Acclaimed's first match on Dynamite, and they're going against, you know, real good workers. So um, we'll see the level that these guys are. Um, the uh, Max Caster is a really good talker, but... It is very much John Cena 2003. So, and he's got to differenti- differentiate himself from John Cena 2003, or people will say he's a knockoff of John Cena 2003. But um, these are another, you know, another new guys that they're introducing on TV, which we've been doing a lot of. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they get to beat SCU or not, because if they get to beat SCU, that says that. Um, they got big plans for them right away. If they lose, that means that they probably still are interested in them. I mean, I know they're interested in them. They just signed into a contract, but maybe not right away. And Jericho, MGF, Santana, Ortiz, Sammy, Jake Hager, and Wardlow against Top Flight, Varsity Blondes, Brandon Cutler, and the Best Friends. Well, look, it's going to be all action. I know that. So, um I mean, yeah, they both, you know, both shows look good. Um, I think that it'll be a big Wednesday. Um, NXT should do better uh, than they've been doing. Uh, I don't know how much better, but they should do better. AEW should not do as good as the last two weeks in theory. The question is, how much do they hold up? Um, Where do they land in the standings and things like that? So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a good Wednesday. All right, Tokyo Dome, we got matches for the fourth and the fifth. Five matches for night one and four for night two. The January 4th card, Naito and Kotobushi for both titles. Okada versus Will Ospreay. Tanahashi versus Great Okan. Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Gorillas of Destiny for the IWGP Junior Ta- uh, Heavyweight Tag Team titles. And Hiromu. Heavyweight tag teams, not junior heavyweight. And El Fantasmo. Yeah, Hiromu and Fantasmo for the title shot the next day. So these cards to me are like, it's it feels, it. I don't know. I don't have a great, I don't have great excitement for this right now. And usually I do. I mean, Naito and Ibushi will have a great match. Um, I think Okada and Will Ospreay should be phenomenal. Uh, maybe the best match of the weekend or of the two days. Uh, Tanahashi and Okan. Uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Um, I mean, the idea obviously is that Tanahashi's going to carry him to a good match and he'll look good, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to, to watch the tag title. I mean, tag title will be a good match, but it's, it doesn't like, it's not like anything I'm super excited about, but it'll be a good match. And then, Phantasmo and, and um, Hiromu um, probably be a hell of a match. I mean, the, the card will be good, uh, but it, just, it feels like it's, I don't know, it feels like it's a Budokan show. It doesn't feel like it's a Tokyo Dome show to me. The fifth has the Naito Bushi winner versus Jay White for the titles, Sonata versus Evil, Shingo Jeff Cobb for the Never Open Way title, and Taiji Shimori versus the winner of the Hiromu Phantasmo match. 
which should hopefully be Hiromu. I, I mean, those are all good matches. Uh, I think the Evil Sonata winner will probably face uh, whoever comes out of the Tokyo Dome as champion, which could be Ibushi. I think it, it could be Ibushi's year. So maybe Ibushi and Sonata, which would be a G1 Climax rematch, maybe in February. Um, or it could be Naito and Sonata. Um, I don't think it'd be, I guess it could be Ibushi and Evil. Um, but I, that's kind of how I view that Evil Sonata match as, as a, a match where the winner's probably going to get, um, the IWGP championship match for February. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's out of their control. I mean, if, if, uh, if it was normal times, you know, you'd, you'd have, uh, Moxley would be in there defending his U.S. title against Kenta. Um, you would have, um, let me see. The, um, I think Kenta might be, um, they, I guess they can't announce it because Kenta's got the match with Brody King. So, But I think Kenta may, may face uh, Juice Robinson. I mean, you know, he should. He hit him. He cost Juice Robinson the, uh, the tag team tournament finals. So I think that should be one of the matches as well for the briefcase. But, um, and there would, there would be a chance you would have Jericho if if if, if the situation was different. Um, I suppose there's a you know um, a shot at Omega, but but you know I mean there's ways to work it in. I mean, but um, but um, I know that like uh, when Harold May was there, because of the cost, he wasn't that hot on bringing Jericho back. Jericho actually, from I believe, does not have a contract with New Japan any longer. I think that that's expired. But um, with Harold gone, I know that there was renewed interest in Jericho. But it doesn't matter now because, you know, he couldn't go. So, um, you know, but that's something for down the line. I mean, maybe uh, Dominion next, you know, Dominion next year or something really big next year. But um, when this thing clears up, whenever that will be, and God knows, God knows when things will be better because they're, they're not better right now. That's for sure. All right, take us to these Tokyo Sports Awards. Okay, what do I got right here? Um, Naito won Wrestler of the Year MVP, which I think everybody kind of knew that that was um, exceedingly likely. I mean, it was almost like I didn't I didn't hear the actual voting, but I kind of didn't need to because it's like the way the, the, these awards, it's very much based on, I mean, it, there's a lot of politics. I mean, it's got to be a foreigner. Uh, I mean, an Ameri- I mean, a Japanese. It can't be a foreigner. And it's almost, you know, for like 10 straight years, it's been New Japan. And it's usually the IWGP champion. And Naito was the guy to unify the IWGP and Intercontinental, which was the biggest thing of the year. And even though he lost the title once, he won it back. So uh, he was named MVP, which is the third time he's been named MVP. And it's a very short list of people in history. Um that have had three MVP awards. Uh, the list is, um, I know, uh, Baba Inoki, Jumbo Saruta, um, Tenru, um, Muto, um, and um, Tanahashi and Okada, I believe are the only ones, I might have missed somebody, uh, that have three historically so um very select company then um match of the year okada and naito january 5th tokyo dome um i mean i i would have figured that's the most likely because it was the unification match and it really was a hell of a match and it's, it's at the tokyo dome all those things been are beneficial but the key is is that that was the unification match and and in their awards that's that's going to weigh very heavily because it's it's you always it's not always about, in fact, it's usually not the best match. I mean, some years it is, but it's more the most important match of the year. Sometimes it's about best match. I mean, it, it just kind of varies based on what matches were held during the year. And um, it is the eighth time that Okada has won match of the year. Eight times in the last nine years, seven years in a row. 
which is pretty amazing. I don't think anyone has ever come close to that, ever. And, you know, I mean, there have been people, um, I think that um, Tenru and Kobashi have also won it eight times, but never seven in a row. And Jumbo Saruta has seven of those. First time Naito's ever won match of the year. So, um, then um, the next award would be Most Outstanding. So, the basic gist on Most Outstanding is the guy who who wins it, as a general rule, is the guy who would take second for MVP. So, it's kind of like your consolation prize. So, it's usually not a New Japan guy. Uh, And it's Goshiozaki, who is the guy who should have got it. Because if you're doing second place for um, Japanese MVP, he's probably the guy. He was GC champion all year. He had phenomenal matches, especially the, the last two with um, the Nakajima and Sugira match. Sugira match is a fantastic match. Nakajima match is a fantastic match, too. So, um, no, you know, that's like the award, like Kento Miyahara would win it. Um, he won it the year before, um, where it's like the guy who. You know, you could would would have a good shot at MVP, except he's not in a big enough promotion, but he's had a super great year. And then um, next is Fighting Spirit Award, which is kind of like your third place guy, and that went to Hiromu Takahashi. And I believe, um, let me see if he's the first junior heavyweight ever to win the thing. Um, uh, let me look through this. Um, no. Um, Misawa, when he was Tiger Mask, won it, and he was wrestling as a junior heavyweight at the time. Um, Fanaki was a junior heavyweight, but that was in UWF where they really didn't have weight division, so he wasn't billed as a junior heavyweight. Like Hayabusa is also junior, but did not wrestle in the junior division, so to speak. So, um, yeah. Uh, and Nakajima, who's also junior heavyweight. Um, so yeah, there. But but first New Japan Junior Heavyweight because Misawa was all was all Japan at the time. First New Japan Junior Heavyweight ever to win it. Uh, then uh, the next one is the Technique Best Technical Wrestler, which is like the fourth place, and that was Tetsuya Endo, who's the champion of DDT, and um, that was that tag team of the year was Takashi Sugiura and Kazushi Sakuraba, which is. Um, you know, I mean, they really didn't have any super standout teams in Japan this year. Um, and I guess, you know, it's, you know, that's a good team in the sense that Sugiura is really good and Sakuraba is a legend. Uh, that's probably the oldest. It's got to be the oldest tag team ever to win the award because um, Sugiura is 50 and Sakuraba is 51. So uh, there's that. And then uh, no rookie of the year this year. No idea why SB Kento didn't win. Well, I do know why, because it's political and they gave it to a Dragon Gate guy last year. So they gave it and they did not even have one this year. And then uh, Julio was the women's MVP, which everyone pretty much expected on that one as well. So that's the deal. They did not do any other. They usually do some other awards for whatever reason. They did not do any special recognition award type thing. And uh, so that's that's the that's their awards for this year. All right. What's the updates from the Triple Mania show this weekend? Uh, Let's see. So L.A. Park did hurt his knee. He doesn't think it's serious, but um Murder Clown, um, it was it was on the dive, and you know you could, you could see it. He caught Murder Clown on the dive, and he just grabbed his knee. And I, I you know, I mean, like, L.A. Park is what is he like fifty fifty something years old? Um, I don't I don't remember off the top of my head, but well in his well into his fifties, he's got to be pushing three hundred pounds, which is probably about a hundred pounds more than needs to be, or certainly eighty pounds more than needs to be. He's doing dives, not all the time, but he still does them. Um, and he's taking incredible bumps for, uh, you know, every bit of 25 to 30 years. So um, he's, you know, the guy's body's got to be a wreck anyway. 
I mean, he's he's got everything. I mean, every bad, what's the word I'm looking for? Every bad sign that would lead you to knee, knee problems, he's got like every one of them, you know, between the weight and the style and the amount of mileage on his body and everything like that and the fact that he does everything that he can to get a good match. And, um, but in this case, yeah, he was catching, um, murder clown who's got to also be like 300 pounds who did a flip dive and nearly landed on his head um park saved his life and so park's daughter's birthday was um over the weekend and he could not dance at her birthday party oh, so man so murder clown sent a message to la park's daughter and apologized to her for because say, saying it was all his fault, which so hopefully he can be back. And then um, so the Kenny Omega, Vic, El Hio Del Vikingo thing. So he did an interview um, after the show. And this was not like a lot of people saw the interview and thought like, oh, that's where they're going next for the title. And this is just Kenny Omega doing an interview and saying that's the guy he wants to wrestle next because he saw him. And Vikingo didn't even wrestle on the show, but he did a couple of run-ins, and he, he, you know, he's fantastic. He really is. I mean, he's he's going to be a breakout superstar, I think. And, um, but but um, AAA obviously knew of the interview and knew that he wants to wrestle him. So because of that, he probably, I mean, there's a there's a real good chance that that's the next his next title defense in Mexico will be against El Hijo del Vikingo, which. Should be a spectacular match, to say the least. All right, and uh, finally, before uh, we go, uh, to also um, the interest that all the numbers for the show. Um, I don't. I don't have TV rating numbers yet, but um, the all the numbers as far as um, you know, like Americans watching and things like that, way way up. They did absolutely monster uh, Facebook numbers. Um, not live, not live. I mean, li li I mean, live was up uh, the highest that they've ever done, but um, it was up. Um, I got the numbers here um, somewhere. Um, it was about it was about double of last year, and last year had the Young Bucks and Cody and Omega and the Kane Velasquez debut. So that was pretty big, and it's yeah, it, it did. Just over double. Um, that's that's um, live viewership. It did just over double, I believe, and um, it did more than double of the year before. Um, the 2017 was real high, but it beat it beat that by a substantial margin, by a good 30 percent. And as far as so, then like uh, as of like a day later. It was at like uh, 1.8 million views between Facebook and... Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. If you have thyroid eye disease and you can't get any shut eye because you can't shut your eyes, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com. Um, uh, Facebook and um, YouTube. And then they had to take it down because I presume the reason they took it down based on what they put back up is that... Uh, there was issues with some of the music that was playing. So they put it up, but it, it's edited and all the ring entrances are gone. It's out there. It's out there. And they have like, um, like the Omega matches out there. Do you watch the last two matches? That's actually the only big thing I've not watched so far. Oh, you should need to watch both of those matches. They're, they're incredible in two different ways. But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and I, I, I presume that the, the Pagano matches up there somewhere, but, um, yeah, it was doing like, it did very good live, but I guess word of mouth was such that it did incredible 
after the fact, um, which I presume is since the thing everyone was talking about after the fact would be the Omega match. I would say that that's probably the reason why it did uh, so such big numbers. But then they had to take it down um, today, I guess, or yesterday, whenever they took the thing down. So, so yeah, really, um, you know, much bigger than with no fans too. That show, if there was fans. I think that that show would have been incredible because um, the thing with Lucha Libre with no fans, it's kind of, you know, because it's not solid wrestling, it's usually you need, like, the whole thing to me with Lucha Libre is the fan reactions. And, like, the first two matches, I think the crowd would have been pretty into them, um, especially the second match. And um, that... And it was a great match. I mean, the second match was just all dives. You know what I mean? That's really what it was. But I think it would have worked. And then uh, the, um, you know, it's funny, the Omega match with Laredo Kid. I, I mean, it was it was a fantastic match, but it was complete American style. And American style in front of in front of Mexican crowds. It usually doesn't work. Sometimes it does. It depends on the city. It depends on the personality of the guys. Um, the flow is completely different. Um, you know, I mean, like Dorian Roldan just a couple of days earlier was at a press conference and he was talking about how, you know, they're not really looking at bringing in Americans because he said, like, we brought in like AJ Styles, you know, who's one of the, you know, at his peak. And, you know, the people didn't really care. And he said, like, you know, they did care. You know, Omega was much bigger than AJ. But, um, you know, Omega was sitting miss. I mean, Omega, when he was in, um, uh, what was it? Was it Orizaba? Um, there was one Omega match that I remember. It, there was there was a six-man tag with Omega and the Young Bucks that, um, I mean, it was really great for American style. It was an awesome match, but it didn't really do that great and then i think he wrestled i mean then he had the match in, in monterey with dragon lee which you know that match got an incredible reaction but um you know monterey those people all knew who he was so um and and they're more i think monterey's more americanized than than like you know a smaller city so but this is mexico city so um but that and um i i got to think that the omega match would have probably had a May have had phenomenal reactions with Laredo kids, like, you know, near falls and everything. Um, and Pagano and Chessman, I'm sure, would have had, like, an incredible reaction. So it's kind of too bad uh, that, um, well, like everything, you know, it's the lack of crowds is a, is a difference maker. But on a Lucha show, I think it's more of a difference maker than, than on a regular show. All right, Yolo Romero. Uh, Yolo Romero looks like he's going to Bellator. Didn't Bellator say they didn't want Yolo Romero? That was last week. I think they oh, I see. They, okay. they changed their mind. Um, yeah, uh, um, I can see. There's, there's. They have a lot of good light heavyweights, you know. But the thing is, like, Yo Romero's forty three years old. But I guess that's what, you know. Bellator's brought in a lot of older guys, and you know, so many of them, like Roy Nelson and Frank Mir. It's like they were just so past their primes, so they really didn't do anything. Or you know, a Rampage. Oh, the Rampage, they they got some good fights with Rampage, you know, before, um, you know. Um, and, I mean, I, I guess that Rampage-Vanderlei Silva fight in San Jose was pretty much, you know, for what it was, it was as, as good it was gonna, as, as it was going to be. I mean, it, it was actually quite exciting. Uh, but a lot of the Rampage stuff, you know, he was slow and he was way out of shape and things like that. So, um, but, yeah, you, I mean, you'll... Yoel's going to fight at 205, not 185. And I could see them doing a tournament. They have got, um, I mean, they've, you know, if you do an eight man tournament, I mean, they got like Phil Davis, they got, um, Vadim Nemkov, who's the champion, Ryan Bader, Leota Machida, uh, Corey Anderson, who they just signed. Um, you know, they got, and, um, uh, what was the other? Rumble Johnson, who they just signed. And, you know, your Romero. That's that's a like. It's an it's an interesting tournament. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to do it, but when I look at those names, it's like, man, they could you know, they could do it. Just a question of, um, you know, I guess the money. 
it's you know i mean what 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 the whole situation is i mean it's weird because it's like they're on like cbs sports network and that's not like it's not even rated i mean i don't even know what what kind of numbers they're doing but they're not going to be big um and if they lose to zone which it certainly seems like they have because zone pulled uh the show thursday uh zone was scheduled to air and then the morning of the show they pulled it so that's that sounds like uh a bad situation there you know as far as relationship goes you know and that was you know that was the lee mcfarland's championship match with juliana velasquez which was not a super big match but it was a it was a world championship match with the probably alima lay is probably the most popular of their homegrown talent now the chandlers in ufc um maybe aj mckee actually would probably be the most popular patricio pitbull but certainly from a woman's standpoint of homegrown women's talent she's by far the most popular so um yeah all right this raw show monday night an all-time uh, low coming i feel um there's one more thing that we what was the other thing we were talking about i don't know if you remember let me know all right I let's will. get going on this ms and morrison are in the ring for this dirt sheet imagine opening up this show with this segment and Miz is reading a children's book, The Nightmare Before TLC. This was bad. He's reading this dumb book, and he brings up AJ's name, and AJ appears in the ring, and then Morrison appears as a Scottish warrior playing Drew McIntyre, and they pantomime this wrestling match, which I'll say, even in slow motion, it was better than Billy Kay on SmackDown, but it was still a comedy, oh, God. comedy segment. Oh, it was. I mean, I, I I will say I thought John Morrison as Drew McIntyre was pretty funny. So, um, but Miz reading that book just, you know, I mean, Miz is a great talker. It just it just was one of those ideas that like he coun't save, and um, so like yeah, I think that's pretty much the situation. Morrison was. killed AJ with his sword, or vice versa. Anyway, somehow this book ends. No, AJ, AJ, AJ killed Morrison. It ends with Miz as WWE champion, so AJ gets upset because why is this book ending with you as champion and not me? So they start arguing. Sheamus comes down. Not a mo. I've never been so happy to see Sheamus. Miz and Morrison vanish. Sheamus cuts a promo on AJ, and long story short, uh, Sheamus and him get in a brawl. AJ throws a tree at him. Christmas tree. So we're in barbed wire Christmas tree territory, but even TNA had a tree made out of barbed wire. I could not possibly care less about this. And then they actually have the match. That match was really underwhelming. I mean, like, Dude. Not, that match was, I mean, for those two guys, I was like, when, when are you guys going to turn it on? I mean, I, I, I mean, I mean, AJ is one of my favorite wrestlers, but it was just like, what was the deal with this match? It went 16 minutes, and it was 16 just... 16 minutes after, the, after the, the book reading. So between the book reading to set up the match and the match itself, 34 minutes of television time, I have no idea how he stayed away. Uh, yeah, but I mean, on paper, if I was running, if I was like running the show and I had AJ Styles and Sheamus and I went with 16 minutes, I would go like, that's, that's not too long. I would say that's going to be a hell of a match. I mean, it wasn't... You would have but, been wrong. I'd have been wrong, but I would have, I would have, I mean, like, I wouldn't look at that on paper and go, okay, that's, that's too ambitious. I would think that's, that's fine. They have a 16 minute match. Nothing happens. Almost stares down Sheamus multiple times. Well, the one thing they, they go to the commercial where they're about to go at it and they come back and it's like that same thing every, every time. Every week. It's like they, they, there's this really exciting thing. They come back. They never tell you what happens, and they're just in, in a match, and everything's forgotten. So finally, Sheamus goes to the middle rope for a white noise. AJ slips behind, clips his knee, cradles him, pins him. All he knows after 34 minutes, if the idea was to get me excited to see AJ get a title match at TLC, this absolutely failed. Agreed. I didn't think that um, anything was the right... Um, it just it just wasn't exciting. Yeah, it didn't it didn't like when it was over. You didn't in, in no way. I mean, it's like he snuck over. I mean, the, the mentality is he 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 screwed over uh, Drew McIntyre's friend. So that's the heat. 
but I don't. I didn't feel it at all. Actually, that wasn't the heat was supposed to be afterwards when they tied him upside down by his legs and hit him with a chair multiple times, and they beat on this dude forever. And there's no Drew McIntyre. Well, that's part of the deal. What kind of a friend is this guy? He never saves him. So, the day's going to come when Sheamus turns on Drew, and I'm supposed to feel sympathy for Sheamus after his fucking friend never came to. He not one time has his friend come to save him. This guy was hanging upside down by his feet, getting beaten on with a chair. He got well. They, he hit him right in the groin with one of those chair shots too. Brutal. Like some of those chair shots, it was like, whew, I don't know. I heard business bully some dude backstage. Lashley pours milk on him. Sarah asks that, him about Matt Riddle. Is that that so? So Bobby Lashley poured like this entire. It wasn't like just a little bit of milk. It was like a gallon of milk. And Bobby Lashley, like the Hurt Business, they're all dressed in their really nice suits. Bobby gets milk all over his suit. So that thing backfired on him big time. Trying to, you know, the other guy's drenched in milk, but Bobby's suit is all covered in milk. It's got to be, I mean, he kept a straight face, but he must have been, I just could imagine, you know, just like this really nice looking suit. And I poured milk all over it to do this stupid angle that's like one of those, you know, the bully angle that like, I don't know. Could have like had less milk and only and it only landed on the one guy, but there's so much milk in that carton that it just like went everywhere. MVP says Riddle's a great athlete, but he's no MVP. Tonight he's going to ta- teach him some respect. Then he goes, Sarah, let me teach you something about journalism. You should have been asking us about this match that we're going to have, this six man here tonight. He asks a question, he answers his own question, and in fact, did a better job here than Sarah did. This led to the six person. Well, actually, New Day and Jeff Hardy are warming up backstage, and Riddle shows up, and he thinks that tonight, Jeff Hardy should team up with the New Day and Bro-E, and they say, sure. So he goes out to be in their corner, and it's a six-man tag with Matt Riddle in the corner. This match was better than the opener. It was, at least there was a bunch of this action. Was a good, no, I thought this was a good match. A lot of action here. Lashley runs wild, kills everybody. Cedric tries to pin Jeff multiple times. Lashley gets a blind tag. Jeff goes up top. Cedric crotches him. Lashley puts Jeff Hardy in the hurt lock and submits him. Bobby Lashley, the most protected man in WWE. One of the most for sure. Yeah. So Lana is backstage with Asuka. And she says, maybe, maybe we can win the tag titles. I'm like, dude, you beat him two times straight in tag team matches, non-title matches. Of course you could win. So she's all scared of nine in a singles match. And Asuka gives her this big pep talk. And Asuka says that Lana is the bravest person she knows. Mm. Very skeptical. So they have a match. It's very quick. They're on the middle rope. Lana slips behind, kicks Nia's knee out, and then she lays on top of her and pins her. Shayna attacks Asuka backstage. Lana is distracted. Nia attacks her. And then Shayna and Nia double-team Lana. They stomp on her elbow. They stomp on her leg. They stomp on her knee. They kill her. Lana, Lana, I mean, um, Nia Jax gives her two leg drops to the knee. We learn that she is out of the pay per view on Sunday. Man, I, I like I don't I don't understand this creative at all. But I guess that wouldn't be the first time. Well, you know, all of that work on this dumb storyline, and as dumb as it is, there's exactly one logical ending, and that is Lana putting Naya through a table at the pay per view. Maybe she'll come back and do that. Well, she's out of the match. They've already announced that Oscar's got to get a new partner. No, no, but she can come back and do a run-in at the end of the match. Well, if that's the case, why are you pushing Lana so hard if you actually don't really want her to be one half of the tag team champions? Which are meaningless, by the way. It doesn't matter. Oh, I don't think that they're going to get the belts because I think that Ruby Riot and um, Liv Morgan are being groomed for title shots at Baszler and Nia. So, um, but whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean that's the thing with with all this. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's like you can do whatever you want because it doesn't matter. It's not like yeah, and and things like this, like taking Lana out of the pay per view, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're teaching but... everybody that watching a storyline for ten straight weeks 
putting her through the table 11 times. Well, she did. It she doesn't did. matter. Well, she got her win. She got a fluke pin over Nia. That's her big win in a nothing match on television that went two minutes. Who the fuck knows? I mean, that's sometimes that's the deal. I mean, whenever I hear about like matches and everything, like I go, when are they doing this match on the pay-per-view? And it's like, well, it's listed for the pay-per-view, but what's going to happen half the time is like that Street Profits match with um, Rudin Ziggler. It's like uh, they're going to come and they're going to have TV and they're going to go, what do we got on TV this week? Well, we put this one on, you know, because they got no ideas for TV. I mean, it's, you know, for whatever. They're, I mean, they're real lucky right now that they're in this situation where they're, they've trained the audience that it doesn't matter. So the audience is, is I don't say the audience is fine that it doesn't matter because they're probably not. But enough Actually, of the there's, a, there's a large percentage of the audience that is absolutely fine with nothing mattering. I hear from them all the time. Now, I'm sure there are some that don't like it, and you're slowly going to run those people off. But they've got a pretty stable audience of people that they don't care. That's what they say every year. And then the next year's stable audience is a lot lower than the year before. Well, that's what I said. You're going to slowly run off the ones that still do care. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. But, yeah. yeah I mean, the the, the, bo- the booking now is, 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 I mean, I don't know. I mean, like SmackDown was doing pretty good until a couple weeks ago. Raw, Raw's been a struggle. SmackDown was only doing good because it had Bailey and Sasha as a tag team who they broke up and feuded as quickly as possible and blew off, and now they're just doing completely meaningless things. The Mysterio family... They turned them heels, and now they haven't been on TV. Well, they're not really heels, but they just booked them as heels. I don't know. Yeah. And literally all you've got left now is Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. And Roman is even feud. I guess he's feuding with Kevin Owens. But that's it. That's all you've got on SmackDown now. Yeah. They were up, though. SmackDown was up this week. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't make heads or tails out of the Lana thing. It makes no sense at all to me to, to spend all this time building her up. And then pulling her from the match on the go home show, um, maybe who knows? Maybe it's. I mean, I'm sure it's like part of some idea, but I don't. I don't know. Well, every idea they've come up with so far has sucked. So I can only imagine what this idea would be. Elias is in the ring with his new buddy Jackson Riker. He explains, "I was electrocuted." I had a vision of Jackson Riker. Boy, did you listen to that one? I was thinking, like, if you're electrocuted, okay? Like, I've been, like, on the verge of death, as you know, okay? And I swear to God, when he said that, all I could think of is, if I'm on the verge of death, the last thing I am thinking of is Jackson Riker. I mean, I couldn't even come up with literally anything in the world, like like that i would think of less than jackson Riker. i mean you're on your deathbed and you're thinking about like some dude with this who, that makes stupid tweets i mean not even that i mean it's like but whatever it's it's that's how they put the storyline together with jackson Riker, who got to throw around grand metal league who's like got more talent in his pinky than jackson Riker has his entire body but there you go. Well, first, Riker says Elias's music has changed him. Uh, Drifter is going to sing a song to Lana, but truth hits the ring. I don't want to interrupt you, he says. I'm going to so, apologize so, for interrupting so, you. So is like Elias now like chasing after Lana? I think it was just because she just got injured. I, oh. I don't think we should read anything to that. All the 24-7 geeks hit the ring. Riker starts killing dudes. And then that's just it. Elias never plays a song. This was when I was sure that they were determined to turn this 18 to 49 over to AEW. Miz is mad oh, about something. Man, I, I warned them. This this is getting like Bischoff in, in 98. Although, you know, when they, but, but they're actually way past 98. They're in, they're well into 99 territory. Oh, this is, this is 99 booking here. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But it's like, it's like you watch it and it's just like. God damn, you know, it's like, I don't know. Uh, what a, what a, what a, what a deal. I mean, it's like, it's like they, they've got to know better. No. They, Are you kidding me? It's been, it's been three years of this. Let's see, what is it? 2020, two and a half years of this. Of just off the rails, nonsensical, preposterous booking. If they knew well, better, it, gets, it, it would be it, better by now. It gets, it gets better during the show. 
So Miz and Morrison are upset about something, and Keith Lee shows up. He says, I've got a coin. I won't tell you where I got it. Is that an inside joke I don't get? He flips the pro- coin. Pro- pro- probably. I have no idea what the joke is. They both call heads. It lands heads. He says, so they you both, both call win. He- so they both call heads. What was the point of even flipping the coin? I don't know. But anyway, somehow this led to a match immediately. Like, he flips the coin and the answers go, that match is next. It's like, wow, they shot an angle for a match that they already knew was next. Okay, whatever. So it's Keith Lee versus Miz and Morrison. This match was really bad, wasn't it? Uh, Keith and Morrison are trying to have a karate battle. I mean, have we learned nothing from Miz and Morrison handicap matches? This is the beginning of the plunge for this show, by the way. So they do their spots, and then finally, Keith makes a comeback, but Miz clips his leg. They both lay on him, and they pin Keith Lee. What was that? Well, I guess they got to keep him strong because they're the ones being focused on for the AJ and Drew thing. I love how you say they have to keep them strong. They have done everything but keep Miz and Morrison strong. Well, so they, they give him one match over a Keith Lee, one win when they both lay on the guy. That's now all of a sudden they're rehabbed. Well, it's, they they had to come up with something, and I guess Keith Lee was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe the something would be forward thinking. Where let's come see, on. we got TLC and we need Miz and Morrison out there, so let's keep him strong for four weeks leading up to it. <laughs> yeah, right. Strong for four weeks. <laughs> Bray comes out to give us a tour of the Thunderdome with his puppets. By the way, I thought I thought that I thought you know like I, I I mean Bray Wyatt is very creative and all that, but this segment was terrible. I think this was the worst segment in the whole show. Was that freaking thing with 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 um, Bray Wyatt and it? It's like I think that one of the reasons is because it's like Bray Wyatt is supposed to be a babyface. He comes out there and you can hear everyone cheer for him because that's what they're supposed to do. And I just watch this and go like, this is like not a babyface whatsoever. He's out there running down Randy Orton, and he's telling these stupid jokes, and the puppets laugh. They show all these people in the Thunderdome screams laughing. Like, come on. And finally, Randy shows up on the big screen. He's supposed to be a heel. He says, when the Fiend showed up, he was outmaneuvered. Not by you, Bray, he says, but by him. So, in fact, Dave, you were right. Randy Orton thinks that Bray Wyatt and The Fiend are two completely different people. Even though they're there at the same time. He says Bray should come pay a visit to him tonight. Let's play a game, Randy Orton says, of hide and seek. And Bray accepts. And Randy says, come find me. Bray vows to find him. We have Ricochet versus Mace. Here's a story. I'm not making it up. Ricochet has to go through all these guys to get to Ali, but all the guys beat him on the way to Ali. He lost last week. Mm-hmm. This week he faces Mace. He, he loses beat. again. Not only does he lose, but it's not even like he loses in a heel way. He just lost. Yeah. Ali hits him with a lowdown. Ricochet kicks out. I'm sorry. Uh, Mace hits him with a de- lowdown. Ricochet kicks out. Ali says, put him down. And so Mace hits another move and pins him. Yeah. Bray is looking for Randy. He runs into a riddle. Riddle talks about bro nouns. Bray's a fucking baby face, and he runs off. And then Riddle has the rabbit sign a carrot for him. This show sucks. Oh, yeah. Shayna's facing Dana Brooke. They go a minute. Nia knocks Dana off the ropes for the DQ. Mandy runs down to make the save. She has a fucking kendo stick, and the heels still beat her up. And finally, Oscar runs down, so it is three-on-two advantage baby faces, and they finally run off the two heels. Truth is doing a promo, talking to Huskis. Bray finds them. We have stupid comedy. Bray runs off to play hide-and-seek. He's still looking around backstage. He finds a rocking chair. Like an idiot, he sits in it. Randy shows up, beats his ass. So, for the record... Those of you on Wikipedia, Randy Orton defeated Bray White in hide-and-seek. He found him. He puts him in a box. He pours gasoline on it. He throws a match on the box. The fucking announcers are sitting there just saying in a hushed tone, I can't believe it. Bray White is in that box. Like he's being burned up. 
<laughs> and the fiend then shows up and he puts Randy out with the mandible claw. Yeah, so he he showed up. Death television. I guess I I you know, I mean he was like being burned to death and he comes out of it fine because he's got his mask and his superpowers. But the thing is, now he's got his superpowers. I mean, maybe Bray's burned to death. Yeah, whatever. But the, he's got his mask and his superpowers. Now Randy's got no chance to have. Can you can you imagine? Think about this. Can you imagine this Bray Wyatt and and Randy Orton match? It's it's oh god, that's a scary thought right now. Matt Riddle faces MVP. One minute, Riddle pins him with a floating bro. Lashley hits the ring. Riddle leaves and takes his donuts. That was the entire segment. And finally, the Ascension Ceremony. AJ and Drew come out. And Tom Phillips says, we're here to hang the belt. And then you two can address each other. And they each cut a promo. AJ makes fun of him for taking 19 years to become champion in WWE. It's like, bro, you know how long it took you to get to WWE and become champion? I think 19 years. Okay, but here's, here's you know what's, what's bad about this? Is when you say 19 years, okay, now, now Drew started wrestling when he was 16, so he's like 35, roughly, right? 34, 35, something like that. But you say 19 years, and people are thinking, God, he's 40? Because that's what I, you know, if you didn't know better, you'd go, he's 42. You know, it's like everybody here is so freaking old. I mean, you know, I mean, because like, let's say it, Miz has been around forever. Morrison's been around forever. I mean, they were freaking tough enough guys like whatever it was, 16, 17 years ago. Um, no one, no wonder like they're, they're aging out this audience because everybody, oh God. Anyway. Drew cuts a promo. He's excited to wrestle AJ. He's going to tear him apart Sunday. They raise the belt. This dramatic music plays. And then AJ says, and I quote, it's not just me that you have to face in a TLC match. And Miz and Morrison hit the ring and they attack Drew. And then they chop lock him and they beat him up and they hit him with a ladder and they destroy him. Almost throws his steps into the ring they destroy him more. Styles hits a flying elbow off a ladder through a table, and then he climbs up and grabs belt. So I guess what they told me as a fan is on Sunday, Drew is going to do a TLC match against at least three dudes and maybe four. Well, three dudes and a guy standing on the floor. Yes. Yeah. And he'll probably still win. Well, I'm uh, sure he'll win, but I mean, I'm supposed to be excited to see a match with Miz Morrison and AJ all just beating up Drew for like 30 minutes before he climbs up and gets the belt. Especially like December 20th when it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, if you're like a hot promotion, it doesn't matter what day you run. You're a hot promotion. But when you're not a hot promotion, December 20th to me sounds, it feels like a bad day for a show. You know, you got all these sports going on and um, it's not even that. It's like five days before Christmas. Like, after Christmas is a good day, but right before Christmas, not so good. Well, before we go here today, I think the last thing you wanted to talk about was your book. Is that right? We can talk about my book, Did yes. you not mention that earlier? Now I seem to remember you said that before we started. I did mention to you that, I'm, that I have a book out, yes, another book. Yeah, so it's the 1993 yearbook is out. You can go to www.wrestlingobserverbook.com. Dot com on Amazon and everything, and it covers everything that was in the Observer, 377 pages of Observer stuff from that year, but the stories in, you know, put down together. It's really a good format because you see from, like, start to finish of, of like, how each story develops over the course of the year. You know, like, in this one, it'll include Hulk Hogan, um, you know, um, winning the championship at WrestleMania and then setting up the big angle for the match with Bret Hart. The match never happens. He loses Yokozuna and quits the promotion. And even though it was later denied, um, you know, it includes him saying himself to the L.A. Times that, uh, you know, he didn't want to lose to Bret Hart. Um, he wanted, you know, he didn't see it. So. That's what he did. And then he quit the promotion. He actually quit the promotion before he lost to Yokozuna. Um, that was his way of dropping the belt on the way out. And um, 
There's uh, Andre the Giant history bio, Kerry Von Erich history bio, which is a great, great story. Um, Eddie Gilbert, uh, the birth of UFC, uh, birth of Pancras, uh, you know, all the, you know, U.S. and U.S. wrestling was not so strong. WCW, in fact, was horrible business wise that year. But ECW was starting up, uh, Pancras starting up, Michinoku Pro starting up. Um, just a lot of new stuff. It's um, Sid Vicious Arn Anderson in in the UK. That that brawl, detailed blow by blow on on that brawl. As a matter of fact, and um, yeah, just a, a ton, a ton of stuff. It was a very interesting year. WrestlingObserverBook.com. Yes, or Amazon.com. Yeah, head to Amazon.com, everybody. And actually, the uh, I don't see the new one up yet, but the 97 one is there, and it is available, everybody, for those of you that have Kindle Unlimited, you can actually read it for free on both Kindle books. Unlimited. Both, both books. Both books are like that, I think. Oh, there you go. So uh, check that out if you've got that. And uh, that's it. we got a lot of stuff up on the front page. We had a million shows this weekend. New back issue of The Observer tomorrow. New Observer up on Thursday. Maybe. And, of course, well, maybe. And, of course, maybe. the latest Observer is up as well, so check those out. The well, latest observers is, is, is latest Observer's got a lot. Yeah, this I make no promises for this week because it's way, everything's way out of my control, and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of writing I need to do that I haven't done. Um and uh, who knows what's going to happen the next couple of days as well. All right. But, so um, yeah, that uh, yeah, I could I could see a week rating. I definitely could see a week rating tomorrow for for this show. Well, we'll have that up for an exciting tomorrow afternoon on my Twitter timeline, everybody. So check it out. And that's it. We'll talk to you again after a while. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.